This episode of The Showcase is brought to you by Worldwide Express, and that's because they're the only ones that are paying me at all. They don't pay me to do the show, but they do pay me to live my life. Worldwide Express, your partner with UPS. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Paris Jackson, your host of The Showcase, and um, you know today i got a plenty of things I want to talk about. There was a few things I kind of left you guys hanging. It's been a few weeks since the last episode, so definitely got a lot to catch up on for you today go ahead uh whether you're on your drive home or just chilling in a fly zone definitely sit back relax and enjoy the show all right so um it's been a few weeks since we've all been together so just to kind of catch you up about what's been going on i definitely have been tuned in to the nba and paying a lot of attention but you know this month was a little bit hectic i had the holidays kind of wrapping up getting back into the swing of things at work and um you know i had a birthday and some other things so you know excuse me for the absence but going forward we should have an episode coming out every single friday for you to enjoy on your drive home so uh, or throughout the weekend or whatever else you want. But leading off today's show is actually, I went to Staples Center and caught the Clippers-Warriors game a couple weeks ago, um, literally two weeks ago at this point, and it was phenomenal. A lot about like the Staples Center, if you've never been there, it's actually really cool. It's located like right in the the heart of downtown with a bunch of like little restaurants around it getting in and out of the arena was like super easy getting to our seats were super easy the view was great like they even had a j-rock like halftime show which was awesome he came out and did like three songs um with the backup dancers and everything but you know as far as the actual basketball is a highly contested game it's like everything that you would want from a birthday basketball game that you went to so just to like recap that the clippers played the warriors that day and um you know myself my girlfriend my roommate his girlfriend we all kind of caravaned up there and 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 watched the game together all rooting for the warriors and the warriors kept it close and heading into the game um and the point that i want to make to all you guys was that like the warriors throughout this whole season granted like the beginning of the season was really really rough so i'm gonna go ahead and take out the first 15 games of the statement that i want to say the warriors actually have one of the better defenses in the league i wanted to go say one one of the best defenses in the league but you have teams like la um lakers i mean and miami that are going ahead and just doing some great things on the defensive end so you know we're not quite at that level but i think that given that the offensive talent really isn't there the amount of injuries that we've had and like kind of like this replacement vibe that the warriors have had have generated some really solid like defensive steps towards being a team that can be competitive with pretty much anyone and i've kind of said this before to everybody how you know like teams go through a few stages where you know there's they start every team starts at like there's no hope right there's no hope that they win this game like you know kind of like you know to give you a com- comparison some of those like old lakers teams um the old warriors teams like you, you everybody knows the teams that have just been perennially bad old clippers teams um you know teams that have just had no chance of going in then the, the next step is like okay like can this team be competitive and this is where i think the warriors are at currently um with the roster with D'Lo, you know we just got an update that willie collie stein is is now been traded to dallas in return we're getting some draft picks but even still willie collie stein is a freaking 
awful nightmare liability on defense. So good luck with that, Dallas. Um, you know, losing Dwight Powell was was pretty huge. So I understand the need for bringing a big man in, but still. Um, but getting back to my point, like the defense is at a point where it's keeping the team competitive through a certain amount of the game and like that's all you can ask for at this stage with all like all the injuries with Stephen Clay out with Draymond you know taking some games off where he's dressing but not really playing um so you know that's great and then the next step after being competitive is learning how to win and that's where I think the Warriors have struggled and that's where they struggled in that game against the Clippers where you know they were up most of the game for anybody that was watching I don't think the game was nationally televised and it shouldn't have been but for anybody that's been watching the Warriors and how they play, they play very competitively. I'll give you an example. So just this past Monday, historic night for one Damian Lillard, who dropped 61, had 54 through four quarters. But the Warriors had done a great job of playing defense the whole game. Their offense struggled throughout, but they were able to go ahead and at least take the game to overtime against the Blazers. Now, you might argue that the Blazers are, you know, not that great either. And, and I would agree. I mean, currently they're out of the playoffs if the playoffs had started today. So it's not really like, woohoo, we beat the Blazers. But for Damian Lillard to go ahead and go off for 61 and for us to keep it competitive throughout the whole game, including overtime, like that just solidifies where I'm at in saying that the Warriors have one of the best defenses around the league. I think the team with the best defense kind of goes three ways it would either be the magic the heat or the lakers probably in that order if i have gun to my head but you know just the fact that they've the warriors have been competitive and can now take that step to the next level when you know steph comes back potentially in march clay comes back potentially in march as well but more likely next year and we start to put together some of these new draft picks and you know whatever happens over the off season it's all you can ask for and that's what i saw when i went to staples center you know along with my you know 14 dollar hazy ipa you know we can talk about that at a different time that's the sports alcohol and beverage and food prices are just bananas but what I saw at Staples Center from this Warriors team impressed me more than what I actually saw from the Clippers team and have been seeing from the Clippers team, especially with, you know, the news story that has come out most recently. Which brings me to my next point. I was very high on the Clippers at the start of the season, and I think that is because the Clippers, on paper, on 2K, if you if you hopped on 2K right now and you did not know how to play the video game and you went ahead and played somebody, I would give you a pretty good shot at winning just because of the players that are on that team, their ratings, where we see them having their max potential, not just Kawhi and Paul George, but I'm talking about Montrez Harrell. I'm talking about Lou Williams. I'm talking about Pat Beverly. I'm talking about freaking Landry Shamit. I'm talking about all the rest of the guys on the Clippers, Zubach, you name it, that are able to go ahead and contribute to them having a stellar run. The problem is, the problem is you have Paul George missing 17 games at least. I think it's 18 now. Kawhi Leonard missing about the same, maybe three less, give or take. Right? You have these players that are taking games off, and now the story has come out 
that there is dissent in the locker room based on preferential treatment. And that's not a recipe for success. So if you go ahead and, and ask like any of the past championship teams, you ask Steve Kerr, you ask you know Michael Jordan, you ask anybody that's been in a successful organization, whether it be a team or at work or wherever, and the secret to all that is going ahead and having everybody know their role and not have, you know, the, the need to have more, more minutes, more scoring, more limelight, more money, whatever, right? Like for that to work for the Clippers, it just hasn't been working. So I was more impressed with what I saw with the Warriors at Staples Center and less impressed and kind of knocked off the Clippers as you know, someone I viewed as a, a, a top, top contender. Granted, they're going to go far in the playoffs, right? They have enough talent and enough drive between them and plenty of time to figure it out. Don't get me wrong. We're only about halfway through the season yet. We haven't even hit the trade deadline. So we have a lot of time for this team to come together, play more, you know, for Doc to get his guys behind the superstardom that is Kawhi and Paul George and the preferential treatment that comes with all that. And for all that to be done, like, they need time. And I get it. But I, I needed to say that after my trip to the Staples Center and what I saw there and how just general the team was seeing them live, which if, if you have not been to an NBA basketball game, you need to go. Whether you sit in the nosebleeds, whether you sit courtside, it's going to be a fun experience no matter what. The game happens fast, you know, like – it is an experience that you need to happen, especially if you're in one of the big markets like L.A. or New York, Miami. I don't think I have anybody on the East Coast listening to this, but if you are, you know what I'm talking about when you go to like a Knicks game or a Nets game or, you know, a Heat game or something like that, some of these bigger market teams. So with all that being said, those were my biggest takeaways from, you know, what I saw at Staples Center. I'll definitely be back definitely be back for sure because it was a great experience and the area around there is awesome shout out yard house but um you know that's what i took away let's take a break real quick and i'll come back and talk about something else all right so next on my list to talk about here is going to be zion's debut and honestly like this story has been beat to to smithereens from the media ever since Wednesday, you know, when they played the Spurs. And um, I think that his three-minute stretch... Okay, so for those of you that didn't see it or weren't following or whatever, Zion Williamson was the number one overall draft pick. Everybody, The buzz has been around him. He's the new phenom, this, that, and the third. He injured himself in college. He had to sit out for a while. Injured himself in summer league, had to sit out for a while. Injured himself in preseason had to sit out for a while but for the times that he was in i mean he was averaging like 22 23 24 points a game looking really explosive super athletic one of the biggest guys so i understand i understand that there is a lot of attraction he is very exciting to watch don't get me wrong but what i've seen from zion is that this man is going to have to do something to stay not injured Against the Spurs on Wednesday, which was a loss, by the way, which I don't like through watching the media throughout the week. Like the focus obviously has been on Zion, but not on the Spurs that went ahead and handed them a loss. 
he had a three-minute stretch. He played for 18 minutes the whole game. He had a three-minute stretch where he just went absolutely bonkers. He hit four three-pointers, and he scored 17 of his 22 points in three minutes. That was amazing. The other 15 minutes, though, the man looked gassed. He, like, ran around pretty slowly. He was playing kind of timid. And I feel like that is probably what you can expect from him for the rest of the season while he kind of gets up to game speed. The point I really want to make about Zion is the fact that I'm just so over this story. I'm so over the Zion Williams story that it's not even funny. And I hate to even be talking about it, but I have to address it just to express how my disdain of the Zion Williams story. And the reason I think that it is getting as much attention as it is is that the storylines around the league are a little bit tired. Giannis has been doing his thing as the MVP in, you know, for the Bucks for the last, what, six years. LeBron is nearing the end of his career. His new thing was L.A. is kind of cool, but that's really only cool for L.A. people. People already hated the Lakers before, and there were LeBron haters that just doubled up on their LeBron hate when he came to one of the most hated teams in the country, the Lakers. You know, like, there hasn't been any surprise team for the most part out of nowhere we thought we were going to get something with the Suns at the beginning of the year they regressed to the mean like none of these teams have really stepped up and impressed anybody or created any new narratives things just seem to be going well for the most part on everybody Kyrie Irving is still the same player he was when he was leaving Cleveland and who he was in Boston just kind of like running his mouth talking about next year like the storylines around the league and and we'll talk about this more later, the storylines around the league are kind of dead. But the, the point I'm making is that there are no narratives going on for the media to draw their attention to. There's no rivalries. There's no bad blood. There's no anything that would make the media take their attention away from Zion. And that's nothing against Zion. I, I do think he's going to be you know, a generational player if he can remain healthy, with that being the main key word, if he can remain healthy. But as far as the other stories around the league, I don't, you know, I don't see them coming to do anything else. The media. Okay, so if you understand the media, their job is to cover the sport every single day, fill up an hour, fill up two hours, fill up however many hours, fill up a freaking river with how much like they have every day and it's very hard to do that i understand so what are you going to do you're going to either make up stories or make up hypotheticals or you're just going to talk about what is most exciting to the casual fan which brings me back to zion so who lost on wednesday by the way i can't drive this home enough like nobody talked about how the spurs like built a 13 point lead then they lost it then they built it again and then they ended up eventually winning like everybody glossed over that and didn't even talk about the great performances from the players that they had there the focus was on zion because there's no like medium but if you look at like the standings and where they are right now there's really no other story to talk about the Timberwolves and the Kings are at the bottom as they usually are, along with the Pelicans without AD. Everybody knew that. The Suns are at the bottom, kind of like they were. The Blazers are, you know, a couple games out of the eighth seed, but they're no freaking hot, hot commodity. Everybody else that's in the playoffs picture currently, at least in the West, is meant to be there. Golden State is so injury prone. They're basically unrecognizable, so you can't even hate them because it's not even the real them. 
And then the only real surprise are OKC doesn't suck, but it's not like they're phenomenal. They're, I mean, they're 26 and 19. They're 10 games out of out of the one seed. You know, they probably solidified themselves in the playoffs, being that they're five games ahead of the Spurs, who are in the eighth seed, and seven games ahead of anybody else that would come and take the eighth seed. And the other story is the Grizzlies, who have a young, hot talent in Ja Morant but other, and a couple other players, Triple J. And, you know, other than that, like, there's no stories, at least in the West. And for the East, nobody really cares about them. I mean, you look at the raw, like the st- standings, and you have the exact same playoff picture that you had last year, minus a couple teams. You know? I think you have more letdowns than you have surprises. You know? I think... The Wizards not being in the playoffs, that's probably a letdown for Washington. The Knicks not being a good team again and going through a coaching change is a letdown for all of New York. Like the Cavs, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Pistons, nobody's surprised that they're at the bottom. The Hawks are just a major letdown, but they've been so injury-ridden, it's ridiculous with John Collins missing over 25 games. Trey Young missing a bunch of games and really only just caring about his stats for the most time. Like... The, my point is that the media has nothing else to talk about. And that's why a lot, I feel like a lot of people are, are saying that, you know, the NBA needs all these crazy changes or they need a new spark or the blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't matter, right? Like what really matters is that is the playoffs when they come, right? Which we're only halfway through the season. These narratives will start to develop. Like one thing that I did see and I'd love to see develop more, I got this game circled in my calendar, is when the Pacers and the Heat meet again. Like that Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren, like little where they were chirping at each other, and he's like, hey, this guy's not on my level. Like most of the time we hate to see it, but like the Pacers-Heat rivalry goes back to the old PG and LeBron days. It probably goes back further than that, but honestly I haven't been analytically watching basketball to the point where I can remember some one-off rivalry between teams that never really got anywhere. Don't get me wrong, of course, the Heat have their championships in the mid-2000s you know, and have had other moments in their tenure that they've done well, especially under the tutelage of Eric Spolstra. A lot of respect for that guy. But... The league needs more of that. They need more teams like, hey, I hate that guy. They need more of like the Embiid versus Giannis type of rivalries that we need. Or the, you know, Carl Anthony Towns calling out so-and-so. Like, you know, we need more of that. But the problem is that as we become like more media-centric and more like just tuned into what's going on, like these players that are playing in the league aren't going to do that. They're just not like, you know, because anytime it does happen, they just look foolish because it's like, hey, we're more mature than that. The game has more respect than that. Blah, 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 blah. We grew up this way. We grew up that way. And like that's gone. Like those rivalries from the 70s and 80s, 90s, early 2000s, like they're gone. There's no more like bad boys. The bad boys would not get played today. Everybody would receive half half season suspensions after like the third game where they find out there are too many elbows have been thrown. Like the desire to win is the same. The dirtiness has gone and done away with. But the 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 competitive fire and the shit talking and, and, and just the general like entertainment aside from the actual sport of basketball, that I think the media could do with having more of. Because honestly, a lot of these games are great. A lot of these games going to overtime or whatever they are going to have been phenomenal. 
to watch throughout the season. Like if you have League Pass, which is free for this weekend if you're listening right now on the 24th, the 24th, 25th, 26th, League Pass is free. You can watch all the games you want. It's a full slate on a Friday night if you happen to be catching this right when it comes out. But like if you have League Pass or however you watch it, you know, streaming illegally or whatever, there's good games on every single night, you know. Just the nationally televised ones suck. And so, you know, now the media has to fabricate stories about what you most likely watched if you have cable or Hulu Live or whatever the fudge you have. So that's my whole point about Sion, man. It's cool that he made his debut. I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. I think he could be the last piece that the Pelicans have needed, who I've been high on this whole season since the summer league. I told you they made a lot of dra- good draft picks in their guys, and we're starting to see some of that play come through. Shout out my boy Jackson Hayes. Shout out Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Shout out his cousin, Shay Gildress Alexander on the Thunder doing big things. But here's where I'm at with that, all right? So Zion needs to play at least, what, 26 minutes a game? He only played 18 before, and I get it. He's got to get up to game speed. But put the boy in, man. Put the boy in. Let him shine. Let him see what he does. Let him lift up this Pelicans team. They're only, what, four games out of the eighth seed. They got an interesting schedule. They could probably make the playoffs. They'll probably get swept in the first round, but they can probably make the playoffs, which is going to be cool, which is cool for Zion's story as well. And that will be something for the media to bite on. Let's take a break real quick. All right, y'all. Thanks for rocking with me this far. So the focus of today's podcast, I know I've kind of been with you for a minute already, but the, the focus I wanted to bring was actually outside of the regular NBA and into the WNBA and their new collective bargaining agreement that they signed. Now, the way that this was spun for you guys that can all digest it and for those that care about it enough to click on the ESPN article that came out and popped on your phone set in new provisions would basically doubled the current salary of all the players set in new provisions for maternity care and the care of their children when they're out basically saying that each player will be entitled to a two-bedroom apartment at least for one room for themselves and one room for their child or children and a few other parameters around you know just making the lives of the players more in line with the lives of their male counterparts now anybody that has anything known about the wnba knows that there's a major disparity between what the nba players get paid and what the wnba players get paid and don't get me wrong there's some rightness to it like can you name five wnba players that are currently in the league go ahead i'll wait Odds are you probably can't. You could probably name a few that have been around for forever, the greats, but you can't name five players in the league the same way that you can name five players that are in the NBA. And the reason I bring that up is the point that I'm trying to make is that the NBA and just male sports in general attract a larger audience, attract more viewership, 
attracting more viewership means to more lucrative deals higher pricing for you know commercial spots higher pricing for sponsorships higher pricing for you know you name it ticketing prices more sold out arenas more more sold tickets means more concessions which means more monies which they can funnel back in to the system and i get all that y'all have heard me talk about how you know my first basketball game was actually a sacramento monarchs game and you know and I get, and that wasn't even halfway sold out, if I remember correctly. Granted, I was young. My point is, is that while there is a reason that these the NBA make more money than their female counterparts, there is a huge gap between the two that can be closed. Because most of the time, the proceeds that go to the WNBA are not distributed to the female players the same way that the male players get their portion or their star power for that for that matter. The WNBA players don't have a lot of star power unless you're Lisa Leslie or Tarasi or somebody like that. Probably most people don't know you, so why would they care about you know what type of cracker you like or whatever or what headphones you're wearing or whatever, you know. I think the most famous like athletic team currently is our U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Honestly, I could probably name more players on that than I could on you know the Sparks or something like that. And you know, and, and that goes into some of the reason of why you know the the players haven't been played as well. But you know, I've I've been looking around the internet, and it seems like this new collective bargaining agreement has been long overdue. I mean, if you think about it, think about this. Let me paint this picture for you. NBA, a player leaves the game. There's not even like an acceptable locker room for them. You know, it's probably just like a little room that they can get changed in. Then they hop on some tiny bus. They go to the airport. They wait in the same lines that you and I do. Then they get onto an airplane. Guess where they got to sit? They got to sit in the middle seat. They're six foot whatever. And they're in a middle seat after playing a highly competitive game on their way to the next one versus you leave the game, you hop on a luxury tour bus, you get through the airport, you got your own private plane, so you got your own private security to go through or whatever. You get on the plane, it's got you got room for everybody, it's just you and the team, you're on to your next city. Like those type of provisions that are in the collective bargaining agreement for these ladies are the type of stuff that should have been around the whole time. Like if you go to your European counterpart leagues, Y'all ever seen Love and Basketball? For real. Like, not 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 the TV version, but, like, the version that you find on Netflix. Like, that's pretty freaking accurate. Like, these these ladies go through the same, same regimen in high school as the fellas. They go through the same thing in college. Maybe get different treatment. I'm not sure. I haven't done, dug too much in it. But, you know, from what I saw on the SDSU campus, the ladies' basketball team, except for, you know, who actually went to the games, they got all the access to the same thing as the fellas. Things were built for the fellas, but they got access to it anyway. But then, like, the, the point I'm bringing up about love and basketball is that th- they is a portion between the main character, I forget her name, Monica, I think, or something like that. She goes and actually plays in the EuroLeague, and she's having dinner with somebody that was on her college team, and they say, why would we ever leave here? We p- played basketball at a highly competitive level. We get treated like royalty, and we and they freaking get paid like they should get paid. Like, why would they ever leave and play and come here? 
And you know what's funny is that a lot of these ladies actually do that. So they run their regular WNBA season, and then they go overseas, whether it be to Europe or Russia or whatever, and they play in those leagues. And that's what actually led to this collective bargaining agreement. For those of you that haven't been paying attention, Brianna Stewart, who's an OG basketball player, not an OG, but a G, let alone, went ahead and injured herself in the European Basketball League because she was trying to supplement her income. Which is absurd. If you're playing in the league, if you're playing professional sports, you should not have to supplement your income. If you work at a Starbucks, then you can go ahead and supplement your income by doing something. DoorDash, Uber, Postmates, whatever you want to do. Supplement your income. Right? Let me let me put this in for you. The average salary. The average salary for a WNBA player is somewhere around 130,000, right? That is achievable by pretty much anybody. Granted, 130,000, man, that's a lot of money, right? P, what are you talking about? That's a lot of money. You know what the average salary for their male counterparts are? 7.7 million. Now, I don't have to be any type of of mathematician to know that that is a huge difference they are making 1.7 percent of their male counterparts that is crazy to me that is super crazy do they have 1.7 percent of viewership do they have 1.7 percent of exposure probably honestly I don't even remember the last time I saw a WNBA game on TV that I actually watched. It's pretty much the same time as, as baseball season, if you think about it. It's those, it's those months where you're watching, like, the cornhole championships. And instead of watching the WNBA, even if you are a basketball fan, you're watching the freaking cornhole championships. So I understand. But there's, like, basic human parts of this bargaining agreement that should have been around for a long time. The points I'm making are... The maternity leave, the child rearing, and just bringing up the pay. Bringing up the pay. So the average salary now with this new collective bargain agreement, basically it's like 2x the salary for everybody. So like a quarter million dollars, like that's a little bit better, right? As you would argue as like the disparity between the two leagues, especially because more eyeballs are on their male counterparts. Like you can go ahead and disagree with me if you want, but they pro- like probably they should be making like three quarters of a mil on average, you know, probably getting more lucrative deals. Maybe it's a marketing thing. Like, like maybe a lot of people don't know that they can go to a game or are just not willing to, obviously not willing to pay the same prices, right? But like, if I knew I could go to a Sparks game for like 20 bucks and I was like, hey, if I was a young guy, I was like 20 and I was like, hey, I got date night. What am I going to do? Let's go to Sparks game, 20 bucks each. I'm down with that. You know what I mean? If they made it highly accessible and affordable, they probably get more viewerships. I don't know why they can't get some TV deals to be on like CBS or TBS instead of freaking reruns of the Big Bang Theory or something like that. Like, it, they need the same type of marketing that the U.S. national team is getting. Because the U.S. national team is shitting on them as is you know, compare between how many eyeballs and get there. And maybe it's because the novelty 
of the soccer game, right? Like the not like the U.S. national soccer team plays what every four years or something, unless they're in some type of league, and then it's like us against the world, USA, USA, and we win, and there's only really one team, so it's not like us against them, blah blah blah, or us against you or you and you and you and you. It's like us versus the world, and so everybody comes together and cheers those girls on. And I'm not saying they need more novelty in the WNBA, but I am saying they need more eyeballs. They do need more eyeballs so they can drive more revenue so we can get these ladies paid up. As far as the collective bargaining agreement, other benefits, it's like they finally got Comfort Plus airplane seating. They finally get their own individual hotel rooms. I already mentioned they're getting a larger percentage of league revenue. They get their childcare stipends, and they finally get their full paid maternity leave. It's pretty dope. I mean, it kind of goes against everything that's been preached in the last 24 years about, you know, WNBA and how far it's come and blah, 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 for them to finally just now be getting maternity leave after 25 years. But, you know, big ups to all these ladies and everybody else that went ahead and pushed for it and actually getting it signed, getting bigger salary caps, getting the ability to go ahead and freaking earn what they would be earning by playing in the Russian League. And, like, it's crazy to me. It's so crazy to me because they're doing the same exact thing and just nobody cares enough to go ahead and turn it on and go on the WNBA. So this is my pledge to you, my loyal listeners. I'm going to go ahead and track the WNBA season this year. Now, you may not hear about it on the pod. I might take the summer off to just focus on some other things I got going on in my life. But part of me wants to go ahead and bring you to the table for the WNBA as well and be somebody that helps bridge more people to there to so these ladies can get paid. I like basketball, man. I don't care who's playing. If it's a competitive game, I'm going to watch it. Right? If the score is close and there's like four minutes left, throw that sucker on. I don't care. Let's rock. More people should be like me. Be like your boy P. Anyway. That's going to be it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, I'm going to go ahead and do trade winners and losers. I'll go ahead and go over the all-star reserves. As you know, January 30th, the reserves get announced. And then February 6th, LeBron and Giannis get to draft their teams based on you know the additional 14 people that get selected. I'll let you know whether I think that's right or wrong next week as long as like, the reserves, I mean, the draft is kind of cool. It's just a gimmick to get more eyeballs. But that's what we got in store for you next week. This is the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson.